What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Sofa Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Jewell, joined as always by my best friend and co-host, Reed Dank. Reed, how are you doing this morning? Good, brother. Good. Last night, I stayed up till four in the morning, five in the morning, watching USA-Portugal game. Ended 0-0 in a draw, which was enough to get the United States into the next round. It was a crazy game. Did you see any highlights or anything by any chance? Yeah, I watched I uh, watched a little bit of it um kind of post game, uh, at least watching it over. I think it was like Fox Sports 1. Um and they just looked flat. I didn't I didn't see a a, a clear cut like contributor. It it just it felt very janky. Felt like there were many chances we had we just couldn't capitalize on and Portugal looked like they were in good form too. So when you watch that game Portugal looked like the dominant team. They looked like the better team. They held possession and It was just, the U.S. just seemed like they were playing not to lose instead of playing to win, and they needed to win and score some goals to get first with the goal differential. They ended up getting second in their their group, which was enough to get through, but just didn't look like enough. And if they play like that in the next game, they're going to get eliminated, probably going to play Sweden. But, you know, at, at the end of the game, it was uh, two minutes into extra time, eight minutes of extra time, Portugal had a breakaway. They hit the post. My heart sank. I thought I thought it was over. Uh, it ended up hitting the post and didn't go in, and we got the tie. But let's get into it today, football. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the NFL's first preseason game, talk about the Rams and their ultimate Super Bowl hangover. But first, let's talk about the big stories of the week in brief bites. To start it off, Jonathan Taylor. I don't even know where to start with this story because over the past week, so many things have happened between him and Jim Irsay and the stuff that they've said back and forth. It started with something Jim Irsay said and then Jonathan Taylor responded and I think Jonathan Taylor's agent got involved and it's just a whole messy situation. And by the end of it, by the middle of it, really, Jonathan Taylor requested a trade from the Colts. They said no. And then Jim Irsay went on to say that if tomorrow he's not here anymore, Jonathan Taylor's not playing in the NFL, nobody's going to care. The world keeps going, which which all makes sense, but it's not something that you want to hear as your team's number one running back. What are your thoughts on this situation? Well, this came about way too late for the Colts, for starters. I mean, this you could not have picked a worse time to do this. You're about to start your season, and your stud running back might not play for you. And it's looking like it's not going to happen at all, where he's just going to leave the franchise and walk away before you even start the season. I don't know anything else to or, or any way to put it besides it just looks bad in the Colts and it looks bad in Taylor. There's no middle ground. There's no winner out of this. Ursa likes to have this definition of a very refined team. And you know, without Taylor, I don't know what this team's identity really is. It's it's reliance on youth, but Taylor is the youth. Taylor was your pick. And and see him go by the wayside, it, it's just happening a lot quicker than, I'm sorry, a lot later than we thought. And I don't think this really serves them any benefit. And Ursay commenting doesn't really help either. It, it's a pretty double-edged sword of not so good. No, it's not good at all. And then on top of that, Zach Moss there, I'm pretty sure it's their running back too, broke his arm and he's going to be out four to six weeks. So now the Colts definitely need Jonathan Taylor. I think an interesting thing from this is 
a week or two ago, we talked about running backs and this big meeting that they had and they discussed exaggerating injuries. You know, they're trying to figure out a way to get leverage and they talk about exaggerating injuries. And then it comes out of Colts camp that they're considering putting Jonathan Taylor on the injury list for a back problem. And because of this, it could end up if, you know, if Jonathan Taylor doesn't play because of the contract he's on, this is his last year of his rookie contract. If he doesn't play and they put him on this injury list, the contract will go into next season and then he'll have to play the contract out next season instead of this season. And Jonathan Taylor immediately tweets out one, I never had back pain and two, never reported back pain. Not sure who these sources are, but find new ones. Very interesting. A lot is just unfolding in front of us and it's coming quick. No, the quickness of it is, is very real. And at the end of the day, it's destructive for both parties. I don't, I don't think that Ursa's decision-making is great. I don't know why he has to do the speaking up on Jonathan Taylor's behalf from what it sounds like. And Taylor, to a certain extent, doesn't like people putting words in his mouth or doesn't need that or doesn't deserve that. You can continue down the list of doesn't want and and very real. And eh, what are we getting out of the end of this? We're losing another potential elite running back to, to not having them play this season. We're having more shuffling uh, of running backs that, that we're supposed to stay put with the organization. And we're just continuing the stalemate amongst running back and, and front office further. That's really what all this plays into is the losing of trust and, and comparability between the two of, of, of head offices and, and running backs. And these camps are just going to wind up getting pissed at each other to the point where running backs might just take themselves out of the game. And that's a huge problem. I didn't think about this the last time we talked, you know, we conversed and put our episode out. This could lead to running backs just saying, we aren't going to play either. We don't want to play if you're not going to give us our finances. We don't want to play if you're not going to give us uh, a reasonable understanding or or a reasonable middle ground. This this is a bigger problem than just Jonathan Taylor is having people speak on his behalf when he doesn't want that at all. This could be a huge long-term problem. A hundred percent. And this is just trickling down to every running back in the league. It feels like every running back has a problem. Every running back wants to get paid. And when they don't get paid exactly what they're looking for, they're not happy. And Jonathan Taylor's the Colts offense. The Colts were not good last season. Jonathan Taylor didn't play very great last season, but Jonathan Taylor's rushed for 3,841 yards and 33 touchdowns over 800 receiving yards with three receiving touchdowns for the Colts. I I don't know. I mean, he's played very well for them. He deserves to get paid, whether it's this offseason or next offseason. And I, I just don't know what's going to happen. I don't see a happy ending. I don't see the Colts being able to repair it at this point. I But at the same time, who's going to trade all the assets for Jonathan Taylor and pay him? I'm not sure who that is, but real quick, while we're on the running backs, J.K. Dobbins has been not at practice. He's been on the injury list. Nobody's really sure what's going on. The Ravens like to keep drama and contract situations tight-lipped, which leads me to believe that J.K. Dobbins is holding out or holding in because he wants a new contract. He's in his final year as well of his deal. 
even though, you know, he missed a whole season with an injury and he played half last season because he was still injured. He hasn't proven exactly what he's worth, but he's ready for a new contract. And Melvin Gordon said something the other day along the lines of J.K. Dobbins is holding out, which I'm sure the Ravens weren't happy that the new running back comes in and leaks that right away. But, I mean, do you expect J.K. to be out here with the Ravens this year? Or do you think something might change? Well, I, I could throw that question back at you. Do you expect J.K. to, to keep this holding out thing? Or, or is he genuinely hurt? Because as it stands, I think he's what? Um, just basically day-to-day. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I, I can't tell you exactly what list he's on right now. I'm assuming it's uh, the PUP. I just don't understand. We've seen him around the facility a little bit. And they asked John a week or so ago about Dobbin's situation. He said it's complex, which that's, as a Ravens fan, you start to understand what these things mean. And when John gives you an answer that J.K. Dobbin's injury is complex, he's not out here because it's a complex situation. That means that it's more than, you know, his knees still bothering him from last year. He's still recovering. That means that, you know, J.K. Dobbins could be holding out. J.K. Dobbins could have requested a trade behind closed doors. I'm not sure. I, the way the running back market is now, J.K. Dobbins has played one full season as a rookie when he was running back two. Last season, he played a half season injured, and you could see that the speed wasn't there yet. I don't know how much value he has, and I don't know what a team would want to trade for him knowing, you know, there's a a very brief injury history there, but it's recent. We haven't seen him 100% yet, and he wants a new contract. I'm just not sure, but I also feel like every day that goes by that this isn't resolved, that we're getting closer to not seeing J.K. Dobbins out on the field as a Raven, which is which is very unfortunate because he is such a bolster to our offense. Lamar said it the other day. Maybe, maybe Lamar said that because he wants JK to come, you know, come back, just play the season out, finish his contract. But I don't know. It's tough to tell. Well, here's a bigger question. And this is very, just a very quick question. Do you, do you think this in the long run scenarios like this, and you're seeing it in your own backyard, is it going to be like a, a, league-wide plague thing where players just hold out get their best deal and if they don't then like all right middle finger to you that's exactly the direction that it's headed towards i think more so than any other season we're starting to see this where guys aren't finishing out their contracts guys play on a big contract for two or three years and this this is like even negating like jk dobbins he's on his rookie contract Uh, Jonathan Taylor on his rookie contract. I'm talking about big guys, like even Zach Martin, one of the highest paid offensive guards. He wants a new contract. Jerry Jones said no. Jerry Jones said they've done enough for him. He's made his money. This is what he said. He'll come to camp when he comes to camp. There's no resolution. There are a lot of consequences if he doesn't. He's been at the top of the money all the way through, drafted high and got a lot of money, a lot of money over the years. It's just hard to get it all. The bottom line is nothing needs to happen. There's just all these guys that want more money. Buda Baker, there's so many different guys. There's, it seems to be like one on every team. And if, you know, it doesn't matter if they're on a five-year contract, two years in, they're ready for more money because the market rises. Then they're going to demand a trade or request to be paid more. And, you know, it, it's just unfortunate that that's the way it's turning out because, 
it's just not a good look and it makes for a lot of drama in the league. But I mean, what do you think? Did, did Jerry really say that? Yeah, he said that. And I specifically remembered it because I, I was shocked. I mean, he's, if not their best offensive lineman, he's, he's one of their best. He's one of the best in the league. And Jerry just went out and said that there will be, there will be consequences if he does not show up. I don't know what those consequences are, but who knows? I, I don't want Jerry's wrath. Zach Martin obviously isn't afraid. Yeah, that's ballsy. That's ballsy. I, I, I don't, you know, listen, if you go against Jerry Jones, that's, that's like a death blow to being a cowboy. Not that many people aspire to be one, but that's a, that's a death blow. And I don't, you know, I don't know if it's going to be a pay cut, like a significant pay cut, or if that's going to be, you know, basically we're taking away some incentives that you have that, and that can be deathly to some offensive linemen that can be deathly. Some guys rely on that, on that paycheck. And, and wow, that I can't believe a Jerry said that. And I can't believe that, that B this, this whole league wide, you know, I'm getting the best deal I can thing is so prevalent right now. It just says a lot about the state of the league, but yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. And Zach Martin's costing himself money at this point. He's, he's missed five days of practice, $50,000 fine per practice. So he's up to $250,000 in fines. He's making about 11 million this year. And next year he's up to 23 million. So for an offensive guard and offensive lineman, that's not bad money, but who knows? They, they need to pay Micah Parsons as well, but Tough to tell. Tough to tell. Let's get into let's get into another topic because I feel like we could talk about that one all day. Another thing that has been plaguing the NFL at the start of training camp has been the injuries. The amount of guys that we have seen go down. I know it happens every year, but it every year it just seems like more and more. And one of the biggest ones, Jalen Ramsey, meniscus injury has on has undergone surgery. And is expected the the time frame's tough, but it sounds like potentially December. He woke up from surgery and said, uh, his coach, he said to his coach, When am I supposed to be back? I'll I'll beat it by a month. He's ready to be back on the field. He's ready for the late season push. This was a big trade for the Dolphins, and they were gonna have one of the best, if not the best, def- defensive back duos. And now they're without Jalen Ramsey for most of the year, who knows, maybe the whole year. What kind of impact does this have on the Dolphins? Oh, massive. I, I, that's like a death blow right there. He, he was supposed to be your stud cornerback number one. But before anything else, I, I am so surprised he said that he's going to try and beat that injury by a month. That, that, that You're just putting yourself at more risk for re-injury. So, Jalen, yeah. that's an interesting statement. Um, but Listen, if he's confident in his body and he knows what his body's going to tell him. So if he thinks a month early is going to help him or help the team, by all means do that. But I don't want to see it re-injured. That's that's by by no measure what you want. And listen, we're going to see a limitation of some stars and, and some teams. And I don't want to see another one go down just because he's like, I can do that a month early. I, you know, listen, that's great. But, you know, you know your body better than I do. But I, I just don't love that. I love that statement. I, I, you know, I hate players saying I'm going to tough it out and and beat the estimated time. That that doesn't really happen. 
Jalen. I, I don't know what to say beyond that. It's very, it's very seldom. Do you beat an injury and then you're just fine? Yeah. To be fair, the way I understood the situation was his coach called him recent, pretty, pretty close after he got done with the surgery to check in on him. And that's what he said. Maybe he was still feeling it from the medication or something. I, I don't know, but it definitely leaves a big hole in this defensive back room, which, you know, is it's pretty loaded and you got to sign somebody. You got to fill some, you got to fill that hole. And to fill the hole of Jalen Ramsey, the Dolphins go out and make a splash signing of Eli Apple, an instant impact, a true, true cover corner. Really just surprising that he was still out there, you know? Can't believe nobody's picked him up yet. Um, Tyreek is going to flame him in practice. He's going to absolutely work him um, and make him feel the pain that he felt um, playing Cincy. Uh, Cincy and, and, and KC. Uh, like, <laughs> this This is just a very, very, very strange play by the Dolphins to begin with. Apple, I thought, was going to remain a Bengal. And... I, <laughs> this is is going to have some some ramifications if there's if there's a stud wide receiver and a cornerback beefing it's not exactly what you want and Tyreek even himself said I'm going to absolutely torch him in practice and and you know uh, <laughs> I hate to say it but maybe when you have a beef it it almost tunes up your want and willingness to to win more and to be better I think Cheat almost said that in a way where he just wants to try and take him down and, and absolutely crush him. Maybe the point is to get something out of that. It's hard to cover a Tyree kill just because of how speedy, how dynamic as a wide receiver he is. So maybe Apple gets something from that. And who knows? Maybe there's a positive out of this. I don't, I don't know, but we'll see. Yeah. It, it's tough to tell. I, it's hard to, it's hard to find the positive in a moment like that. But I think that, you know, on the one side, Xavier Howard is going to lock down whatever receiver he's on. And then the other side, second round pick, Cam Smith, University of South Carolina. A lot of potential, a good player, and it's going to throw him into the mix right away with a lot of reps. And, you know, there was projection for first round talent there. Um, I don't think he's Emmanuel Forbes. I don't think he's uh, Gonzalez that went to the Patriots. But, you know, he's a stud and He's going to be thrown into it early, so it'll be fun to watch how he translates into the NFL, how he plays, and you know he's gonna he's gonna be called upon early, which is not what they were expecting, but that's the NFL. That's what happens. NFL preseason starts tonight when the episode comes out. Jets at Browns. It's the Hall of Fame game, and I don't know the exact date, but. This this gives me some deja vu of episode one of the Sofa Sports podcast. This is about when we started last year. I remember we were talking about some preseason games, and I asked you a couple questions about, you know, how do you feel about preseason games? Do you put any stock in them? And I'm assuming that your answers haven't changed in, in the year's time that has gone by since then. It's only changed this much. Very, very small, very only incremental. My And my one change to that would really be it's super useful for one group of people. And that group of people is the young guys looking for touches and, and players looking to basically practice squad with a team. 
and and solidify a spot on a roster. That's who it's good for. And I think last year I kind of brushed all that aside and didn't didn't even mention the the ability for players to make practice squad rosters and and potentially find their way at an NFL roster. Um, I kind of brushed that aside. So that being said, I, I think there really is some good intake that comes with that. And so you'll get to see guys who who really want to find their niche in the NFL or or find their stardom level or find just even a baseline skill level. It's good for that. Um, and I think we understand that that for entertainment value, we want to see the season start, um, not, not even with the stars, but but with the team. You just want to see your team in action, good, bad, indifferent, don't care. It, it's enough to at least be televised. It's enough to at least put it in the Hall of Fame Canton zone. It's enough to do that. So players will get to play in a venue they don't play at often, if ever. Fans will get to see their team and and see them in action early and get to see some players who might potentially be stars in the league. That's the one thing I didn't think about in last year's statement that I would change about this year's. I think when you look at this game specifically, I don't know who's going to play. I mean, we're we're going to get to see, because they have this game, we're going to get to see four weeks of Zach Wilson playing, which really is just going to be a treat. You know, it's hopefully it's the only time we see him playing all season. Um, but then when you, when you look at their offense, when I think about all the receivers they signed, I'm thinking who's going to line up at receiver. I know they got some depth pieces, but you know, they don't want to play Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard. They probably don't want to play Corey Davis. Randall Cobb's not playing. He's 50 years old. McCole Hardman isn't going out there. So it's good. I feel like I'm not going to know anybody out there. And then, uh, on top of that, the jets have, you know, a lot of stuff's going, a lot of stuff's being talked about. They're kind of the team this off season that, you know, people don't normally talk about. And now they are in the spotlight. Obviously Aaron Rodgers takes that massive pay cut, which is huge for them. And it, it sounds like it's a play down the line when the trade deadline happens so they can acquire somebody, but Dalvin cook as well. I mean, this, this offense is loaded and it's, it's fun to, to hear footballs coming, but I can't wait to see them. I can't wait to see them all out there, but do you have any quick thoughts on Dalvin Cook potentially going to the Jets? Well, it's an interesting one, and everybody telling made a very salient point. Why do you need Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook in the same roster? It's jacked, no question. So if one goes down, you have the other to rely on, or vice versa. And listen, Dalvin's a beast. We all understand that. Why Minnesota let go of him is so beyond me. It's probably a part of this whole contract stalemate running back weirdness and he just wants to find a new home and that's cool with me the only thing i don't really get is the fit <laughs> not not you know no pun intended but i don't get the fit i know i don't think that Brees hall really wants to lose his running back one title and i don't think delvin cook really wants to step into a realm where you're you're in a new setting and a new venue i, I if my understanding is correct Delvin Cook's been a career-long Viking. I, I don't know that he's ever had another transaction. I think it's the first time he's hit any market of a trade value or, or a free agent value. And and it's just a very strange threshold to see him as a potential Jet. I don't know if it's his landing spot. It would be really weird to see him out there. You're right. The running back room would be 
very interesting with him and Brees Hall. It's going to give, it could be a type of situation where the beginning of the season, Dalvin's getting a majority of the touches because Brees Hall is coming off that injury. Then by the end, you know, it kind of switches where if Dalvin's getting 75% of the touches at the beginning, Brees Hall's getting 20, 25%. Michael Carter's there too, so he's going to get a couple touches. And then by the end, you know, Brees Hall's getting 60, 70, 80% of the touches and because he's had the season to warm up and he's not pushed into it right away. I don't know. It's interesting though, it, and it, a deal hasn't been done yet, so it's tough to tell, but he was out at training camp and the fans were cheering his name, which was, you know, cool and interesting to see Jets fans excited about football. I mean, I guess I, guess I have to say something about the Browns because they're in this game. I don't really know what to say about the Browns. I think... Once again, the Browns have, they're not the, they're not the clear cut winners of the offseason. They're not the paper champs of the offseason this year. This year, that's the Jets. Can the Jets turn it around and, and put together a good super team? That's yet to be seen, but the Browns still had a good season, a, a good offseason and they've made improvements and a second year with Deshaun Watson, which I don't expect to see in the preseason game. Out of a lot of these quarterbacks, he could probably use those starting reps because he didn't have a lot of time with the team last season. Yeah, I don't think he's going to get any touches. Uh, if any, it'll just be very limited. Just a few, two or three passes. I think. Um, it's either going to be, in my opinion, Dorian Thompson-Robinson out of UCLA to start or or potentially Kellen Mond. Um, and I, I don't see you know Joshua Dobbs touching the field much either. I think as a, as a starter and backup, you just don't really touch them. And since they have four QBs, you know, why not try Dorian Thompson Robinson or, or Kellen Mond just to see what you get out of them? Um, same that can be said for running back. There's no need to play Nick Chubb unless you want to get him for a couple touches for some glitz and glamour. Um, so it's either uh, Felton Jr. or uh, Demetric Felton Jr. Um, or John Kelly Jr., in my opinion. Maybe they'll split touches. And then same can be said for wide receivers. You can go on the list. Jakeem Grant might play. Uh, you know, Dalen Baldwin might play. Uh, Austin Watkins might play you could keep going. And then I don't think David and Joku will play either. There's no need to start him. Uh, so no, you know, no. Jordan Akins, Harrison, Brian, you know, Zaire, Mitchell Payton. We'll see, we'll see who it is, but, but yeah, no, no real starters for the Browns. And the same thing can be said for the Jets. You just won't see their stars. Fair enough. What about a, a game prediction? It's, it's so hard to have a clear gauge because you don't, it's, all these practice squad guys, all these guys trying to make the roster, you know, we're not going to see a lot of starters. What's your game prediction? Yeah, considering the Browns can't win anything, um, you know, when it comes to regular season play, they'll probably win this game. Uh, I'm going to say final probably 28-14 in favor of the Browns. We're just going to go all touchdowns, I guess. Um, yeah, that's, that's my score prediction. I'm going to go Jets. I think even though the starters aren't playing, I think the Jets are just – fired up and motivated team. I think that they, I think that they're just excited and they're inspired for the first time in forever. And I think that they go out and Zach Wilson plays a series or two and puts a touchdown on the board. I think he plays well. I think we're going to get a 27 to 17 game in favor of the jets. Next up on today's agenda is the Rams. Every week we've been highlighting a team that, so far, it's been a team that performed very poorly last season, and we're you know trying to figure out what went wrong and how they can fix it. The Rams last season finished with a record of five and twelve after winning the Super Bowl in a 
amazing season. Cooper Cup goes off for the best receiver in the league. Matt Stafford looks like a Hall of Fame quarterback. Aaron Donald does his thing. And it just, you know, OBJ is even playing well. And everything seemed to just come together for that team. And, you know, this season, it was the opposite. They signed Bobby Wagner, and that doesn't pan out. This offseason, they trade Jalen Ramsey away. And they also signed last season, Allen Robinson. This season, they traded him away. Just a lot of a lot of movement, a lot of things that aren't going right. Came in third place in their division, and they just really weren't competitive. They weren't the team that we had seen the season before. What were your thoughts on the Rams last season? Well, you can't spell Rams without Ramsey, right? It's it's pretty sucky to not have him on your roster. <laughs> Good one, right? Can't can't spell Rams without Ramsey. It was a pretty sucky year. I think we all understood it was nowhere where the defending, you know, quote, defending Super Bowl champions wanted to be. Um, not only did Stafford not have the season he was projected to have, his rating was was not so good. Um, you know, 10 TDs, 8 interceptions is nowhere near what you want to be. So before you even ask the question, I kind of have your answer in terms of, um, you know, what needs to really improve. The quarterback position needs to improve. Plain and simple. You got two stud wide receivers. Cup didn't go anywhere. Van Jefferson doesn't go anywhere. And Ben Snokernick will get some touches in between. Pretty fair to say. He's he's not their solidified two. He's not their solidified one. He's their solidified three, as it stands. So, you know, and, and you get a little bit more in production out of um, uh, Tutu Atwell as well. So he's not a complete flop. Atwell can get some touches, uh, but, it, you know, it's not Allen Robinson, but it's not far off. That makes any sense. Allen Robinson had a very meh year, so not the greatest. Tutu Atwell also helps, but but the, the big big problem stems from the quarterback play. It's pretty it's pretty clear cut that the quarterback play was what set them back. Um, shuffling between Baker Mayfield, John Wofford, who you know, God bless his soul, couldn't really do a lot. Um, you know, one touchdown, three picks. It's not exactly where you want to be. Um, Baker had that amazing game-winning drive against... uh, It wasn't the Raiders, was it? Yeah, that that Baker drive pretty much sounded like it was going to solidify him as as the Rams started until they were like, nope, we want nothing to do with you in the long run. So he didn't stay. Um, And also the same can be said with Bryce Perkins. He he was about at the same level as John Wofford, you know, one TD, two picks, and, and... a 53 QB rating. So, you know, too much stuff, too much shuffle. Stafford's injury helped nothing. Um, it, it didn't really play into his hand and, and it just showed that the season was not anywhere near projected. And so we have a new dog stepping in. We have a new Georgia Bulldog stepping in. So his Georgia counterpart, Matthew Stafford's counterpart, it will be Stetson Bennett. And will Stetson get any touches is the, is the real thesis to my argument. Will Stetson get touches? We'll see. Um, I, I think Stafford is still finding himself the starter come week one, just to see if there's anything left in the tank. If week one against Buffalo last year was any indication as to how bad Stafford's season was going to be, that pretty much proved it, right? It was an awful showing. The Rams as a whole didn't show up for him. And he didn't really show up for himself. And that 
that was kind of the kind of end goal of the season. So I, I think their idea is to let Stafford start, but then if, if, if there comes a time or a need by an injury for Stetson Bennett to step in, you have that chance. Um, Brett Ripien is on the roster. I, I don't know what, how much that does. Do you, do you think that does anything? I, I don't, but so I, I, the, the moral of the story is the wide receivers haven't changed at all. Just about only Allen Robinson departing and Tutu Atwell stays. Um, the only thing that that's not so fun, and I and I will give them some slack and leeway. Um, Cam Akers led their rushing. Daryl Henderson goes, so he's not even there. So Daryl Henderson's two seasons ago is erased. So Cam Akers is pretty much number one. And Sony Michelle, I don't know if you just saw, like two or three days ago, Sony Michelle just decided to hang him up. So he's not playing anymore. And so that was very weird and out of left field. Sony Michelle's only what, 27, 28, if that. Yeah, I think he's only played five seasons. Yeah, so he's got to be around 20, 27, 28, maybe 29. But yeah, that was a very strange thing to see. So my my thesis is if the quarterback play can can somewhat help, then it'll supplement the wide receiving play and it'll supplement the rushing play. Boom, that's called an offense. Their offensive line structure hasn't really worsened. You haven't lost a ton of people. Um, and I can't say for certain that it'll really change their 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 metrics anyways. So you can safely say the the line goes. But I haven't talked defensively. You know, Ramsey is such a massive departure. You know, he he's a very pivotal piece. Bobby Wagner, um, also departing again, doesn't help anything. I will say Ernest Jones looks pretty legit. Ernest Jones looks pretty legit. And I think him staying on that roster is incredibly useful and helpful. Also, um, you know, I haven't talked a lot about, about this departure, but it's pretty pivotal as well. Taylor Rapp leaves. Taylor Rapp's in Buffalo now. And he had a great start, you know, great start of the season. So some pretty, some pretty big departures. Uh, moral of the story is the QB play needs to improve. And, and I think the defensive structure needs to improve. Not a lot of good came out of last season. For me, when you look at the offense, I don't think that they were really, even when they won, won the Super Bowl, I don't think that they were a great running team. I think that they used the passing game kind of to supplement some of the running game with, with the short passes. And then Cam Akers last season, 786 yards, their best rusher. And I, I don't know that he's that guy. I don't know that, does he have the ability to go for a thousand yards and 15 touchdowns? I don't know. It's that's tough to tell because I feel like we haven't really seen that from him yet. And then they go and get Allen Robinson, which is a great signing. And that should just, you know, continue to bolster their roster. And then he goes for 339 yards and, has very much a lackluster season. And like you mentioned, Stenson Bennett, I mean, a lot of stuff swirls, a lot of rumors come out during training camp, but rumor has it, he's having a great camp. I I mean, how how bad do the Rams have to be this season to play Stenson Bennett? Like if they're, like what record do you think they need to be at for Stenson Bennett to come in and play? Oh, I, I might even say as, as quick as 0-3, and, and if Stafford plays horribly, then I, I think Bennett's the answer. Uh, you know, Brett Ripien, I, I don't know how much he can do. I don't know what I've seen of him. I, I've seen zero reports of how Ripien's done with the Rams in camp uh, or what little there has been. 
So I don't even know what his gauge is going to be. I have no clue. So it, it, it's an all around very strange scenario, but it sounds like it, in my opinion, if, if three or four losses persist in a row that, that why not touch Benedin? Why, why not try Ripian? Why not try something else than Stafford? I, I don't want to diss or dog, you know, dog on him because it's not fair to staff, but, but if he can't put it together, I don't think it's unfair to say that someone else has to step in and try and clean up the mess. Yeah. Stafford's on the hot seat this season. McVay's this year as well. You know, they go five and 12 again. I don't know how much longer he's going to be a Ram, but if you're ranked 27th in the league for points for averaging 18 points a game, that's not going to get it done. And you're in the bottom third of points against. If you're, if you're scoring 18 points a game and you're averaging letting up 22 points a game, that's not the recipe to success. And I mean, you touched on it for a second, Jalen Ramsey. I understand why they trade him. You know, they're trying to get it all figured out, get on a better path. But for a third round pick and a tight end, his season wasn't great last year, but he's still one of the best defensive backs in the league. Just really a head scratching move. I don't know. Can Cooper Cup get back to that Super Bowl form that we saw? You know, I'd love to see it, but time will tell. Any last thoughts before I ask your prediction? of their record and division ranking. Yeah. My, my last point, I guess will be, you can't really gauge them off of the draft that they just had because they had no capital. Their first pick was the second round pick five. Uh, it, and it was an offensive guard <laughs> and everything else was defense, defense, QB, um, linebacker, OT, tight end. So there's a lot of, the same trend. It's a lot of defensive pieces and a lot of offensive tackle help pieces. So I don't know how much, you know, that will really bolster the lineup. And I think it was only just off of the backings of, of making trades, you know, so that way they could bolster their lineup during that, during that Super Bowl season It had a trickle down effect on their draft. So, you know, you can't judge them off the merit of their draft. The, I, the only thing I can really think, is that hopefully Stetson Bennett at at then that fifth round pick winds up being a steal. I'm sorry, fourth round pick. Hopefully that winds up being a steal because if they wind up taking him for almost nothing, that was a fourth round pick. You know what I mean? So they already had some O tackle stuff that they had dealt with in the second and third round, but getting Bennett in the fourth round might wind up being the greatest thing that could happen to him because, you know, if staff goes down, I think he's pretty much understood to be the number two as it stands today. Yeah, at at the least, it's a play to the future. He gets some mentorship, some mentorship, men, mentorship from Stafford, and you know who knows who who knows how much longer Stafford's going to play. Um, it's tough to tell for sure. But what are your uh, predictions for the Rams' record this season? Where do they rank in the division? Forty ers Seahawks, and Cardinals. So stacked at the top, not at the bottom. Where do they rank here? I think they're going to go six and eleven. That's my that's my pretty much prediction. I I don't know of the success that Stafford will have. I don't know of the success that if Stafford can't get it done, that if Bennett will get it done. It's it's pretty quick to jump from from college to NFL. It's kind of hard to do. Not everyone finds that success level. Look at um, Mister Elite right now, Jalen Hurts. He had some struggles in his first season. That's natural for any quarterback. But 
I think it's a very hard thing to jump from college to, to pro ball. You get some, some skill level. that's the same and you get a lot of skill level. that's not even close. Um, so I, I think it calls for a six and 11 season. And, um, I think they'll probably place third in that division, just incrementally not being as bad as the Cardinals. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be five and 12. The Rams have a tough start to the season playing the Seahawks, the 49ers, and then the Bengals. Then they have the Colts and then the Eagles. So, I mean, it's a realistic possibility that they start the season off one and four, which is, you know, at that point, they're going to be looking towards the draft next year. I think that they end up, you know, tying for last place, whoever wins a tiebreaker between them and the Cardinals. But I think five and 12 is fair. I just, I don't have any reason to expect them to go, you know, from what they were to even a wild card team. I just don't see it. But some of the guys on that roster won the Super Bowl. They know what it takes. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, but I just, I really don't expect it. Any final thoughts? Me neither. Nope, me neither. I'm in the same boat as you, man. Thank you guys for joining us in another episode of the Sofa Sports Podcast. Until next time.